more corporates uh, need to get involved in uh, like you know urban development yeah. not just as vendors but as creators of frameworks hello and welcome to the season 2 of understanding the future i am your host punit gandhi and climate center for cities is excited to bring to you a podcast about the future of work in the field of climate change urban development sustainability and innovation we will talk to experts working on ground as well as in the top management of government and non governmental organizations to better understand how the field looks like in future this will help us in preparing to enable climate actions as well as gauge the type of skill sets and jobs that would be required in future to solve complex challenges if you are listening to it for the first time do tune into season 1 Hello and welcome to the season 2 of Understanding the Future. I am your host Punit Gandhi and today we have with us Shabnam Siddiqui. She is the executive director at UN Global Compact Network India. She will help us understand ESG for corporates on today's episode. Welcome to the show Shabnam. Thank you so much Punit. As the topic suggests it's ESG for corporates. Uh let's start with what is ESG what are we talking about when we are talking about ESG. So essentially uh, I think uh, as we move ahead and and we, as we uh, come out of the pandemic especially uh this entire concept of uh, being aware of being cognizant of the environment being cognizant of society uh, both in terms of the impact that corporates have on them as well as uh, uh, the additional effort that can go into it is where this entire concept of environment and uh, social governance amongst especially corporates had uh, come about but before yeah. that i think just to give a quick uh, background uh, about our work uh, so i yeah. represent the united nations global compact i am the executive director of the india network and what we do at the global compact is uh, the fact that we hold uh, corporates accountable uh, to the un conventions to the un guidelines that each country has signed up for and within the un system uh, the ecosystem uh, we are uh, the only agency that directly works with or gets involved with corporates okay. and as we are working with corporates we realize uh, that the larger mandate of the un uh, of peace building of uh, good governance uh, of the goals that the un has uh, spearheaded uh, whether yeah. it was the millennium development goals earlier or the sustainable development goals now Yeah. Uh, how can companies uh, businesses adhere to it uh, is what uh, we look at as, as an organization and that's where this entire focus on the environment and uh, social aspect comes through uh, both globally and nationally okay and and i'm i'm glad that un is doing this kind of work as well because i think uh, we can't just focus on one part of the equation and leave out the rest when uh, mm-hmm. corporates are again important for a lot of things and if they are made accountable for it i think it was for the better cause uh, so so let's let's uh, break down esg so we have environmental social and governance point of view now when we are looking at all three points of view they vary drastically for every kind of organization in corporates as well so how mm-hmm. is that taken into account so essentially uh, when we talk about a whole set of governance values or uh, or like you know uh, for the esg framework as we uh, speak about it there are yeah. some uh, values uh, uh, so uh, global compact has been formed on the basis of principles okay. uh, essentially it's also it's been a learning uh, from within the corporate uh, world uh, 
so we have had these world economic forums for uh, like a uh, couple of decades and at one of the world economic forums uh, in davos in the year 2000 uh, the idea came about that because business is part of society's problem they need to be a part of the solution yeah. and with that in mind uh, businesses uh, collectively agreed to under the leadership of uh, uh, mr kofi annan who was the then secretary general that they will adhere to a set of principles on human rights labor environment and anti corruption okay so how do those principles get translated in different geographies and how do those principles get direct uh, like you know translated into different verticals within an industry so if you are saying a manufacturing sector uh, what does it mean to them uh, what are their challenges more and what do they want more hand holding on uh, if it is an agricultural uh, uh, set of companies it's different if it's uh, the energy sector it is different so depending on the sector wise uh, uh, like you know uh, division of the companies uh, the frameworks are different and the idea is the idea that has evolved is that earlier uh, the, when the uh, especially in countries like india when at least there was a lot of uh, bent uh, of mind towards philanthropy the idea was that a business should avoid doing harm but from the doing no harm to doing more good is what the journey of esg has been uh, in my understanding okay so that's that's a very interesting way to look at it that uh, doing no harm to doing more good because uh, i think again that that brings back people to the center of this whole thing while when you're looking at corporates that's quite the opposite uh, i'm i'm not sure like it's always opposite or not uh, somehow they are the center of it as well but in a very different uh, fashion of it uh, but so coming to the indian perspective of it we have had csr uh, generally so how are how is esg and csr uh, aligned or different so essentially uh, uh, i think they're quite different in uh, in general uh, because uh, the corporate social responsibility as we understood it in india which was uh, voluntary earlier and now like you know with uh, uh, recent amendments is getting the rules are getting more stringent it was more like like you know you do something and then you have a percent of your profits and you pull back that into society uh, to doing uh, better projects when you come to esg it is about mainstreaming those values in your business operations and mm-hmm. that essentially is uh, where the uh, entire divide is earlier you could be doing a lot of if you only look at the extractive industries uh, you could do a lot of damage to the environment you could do a lot of uh, damage to the labor force you could flout Uh, especially in the manufacturing sector uh, labor laws and all that as far as uh, you are giving 2% of your profits and like into investing into projects uh, you could have uh, like you know you could sleep well kind of a thing yeah uh, but uh, the understanding that a lot of it now needs to be mainstreamed so that you do not make those uh, uh, like you know necessary choices if they have a, there's a choice of how you can be uh, a better uh, more ethical uh, business or corporate house uh, is where uh, the transition is uh, i think one has led to the other so like the understanding of uh, the closer working association of corporates through csr with communities uh, made them see a lot of things first hand and that is why for them to uh, accept esg values and to report on it uh, became uh, just more easier for the corporates that were willing to uh, to do it for the corporates that needed a push uh, the mandatory compliances helped in pushing it further so uh, they are in some senses interrelated but not completely uh, synergized with each other okay and esg currently is not mandatory only some companies take it up 
as much as I have read and did my research, uh, some of the top uh, 100, 200 companies try to focus on it also from the stock market point of view. That and this is how it is being promoted. So, uh, what are the current challenges uh, we have seen in the Indian industrial scenario on uptake of these kind of things? So, uptake has been a bit slow uh, to begin with, and uh, perhaps. Uh... Uh, all kinds of progress on uh, good governance values uh, might suffer a further setback because of the pandemic because as soon as uh, whenever we open the lockdown and whenever uh, life comes does come back to normal which is it is still far ahead yeah. uh, there will be a lot of focus on uh, maximizing benefits because yeah. there has been a lot of uh, uh, like you know losses that have happened uh, would have happened over the last couple of years for some corporates so progress has been slow Uh, but what i've seen in general uh, in india has been that uh, most of our compliances uh, initially are very uh, flexible are uh, very pliable and then when people get used to it get a hang of it then it becomes uh, mandatory so i think uh, esg would definitely go down a, a similar route uh, going forward because now uh, uh, like you know there are some uh, organizations always that love to be the early starters yeah. so they are uh, willing to experiment and uh, try out new, new things but as soon as uh, there are positive results from those aspects uh, uh, i don't uh, like i foresee not too long in the future that uh, esg would become mandatory and perhaps we'd move, move to something uh, bigger after that so slowly and steadily it will def- definitely become mandatory I, I do hope so that happens because uh, as much uh, as I look at it from my perspective, the major challenge what I foresee over here is on the lines of governance part. You can still do a lot of environmental things because they are off-shelf products that you have to do it. Uh, social is not the easiest one, but uh, somewhere more close to people, so it's easy to do. Governance is a major shift in how. Uh, policies are framed inside the company how things are done and that is where so are there are there any things being done to uh, handhold uh, organizations on those lines kind of so for example uh, and global compact is just one of the uh, organizations yeah. that is doing it but what we try to do as an organization is bring collective wisdom to the table so many a times uh, being non business person people ourselves uh, coming from the like you know social sector Yeah. uh perhaps our understanding of corporate culture corporate requirement corporate challenges would be different but we, when you get five different corporates uh, both public and private sector uh, in a room across the table for yeah. them the peer learning aspect uh, enhances and to provide that kind of platform uh, for a, a like a non uh, like you know moral or non judgmental uh, like you know discussion uh, has definitely enhanced uh, work because people learn from each other and uh, most of the time like as children as we grow up uh, we uh, we have been told time and again that people might not learn or like children will might not learn from what you tell them but they learn from what you do so getting uh, uh, those kind of uh, uh, like you know uh, uh, flagship uh, companies and flagship projects and flagship initiatives uh, the lighthouse ones uh, in the forefront is what we are trying to do and then once you have uh, something that is uh, unique then other companies coming together to see uh, can they achieve that can they go beyond can they do something different so that becomes easier uh, it's a, a lot of negotiations it's a lot of learning that happens and uh, 10 years in the global compact uh, and to me it still every day still seems to be as if i'm learning something new so it's a great uh, field to be in uh, governance uh, especially corporate governance uh, 
the entire EG framework because it's an evolving framework. Uh, what we are also trying to focus now, uh, 2021 onwards, is to look at skilling. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of our traditional skill sets might or might not be appropriate for the kind of evolution that's happening in the governance structure. So yeah. even to identify what kind of skilling is important and uh, different verticals, uh, uh, like a simple thing as CSR, if you look at uh, uh, companies, uh, wherever CSR is being managed by professionals, having uh, understanding, having background uh, in those kind of roles, uh, the impact is much stronger then when it is uh, an added responsibility given to uh, somebody within the system as in terms of uh, like, you know, uh, just a different uh, uh, like role to do within the same company. Yeah. Uh, and it's not uh, like, you know, uh, saying uh, one versus the other, but just that if you have the right kind of skill sets and the education to back it up, uh, the right yeah. kind of skill sets, then you just do a better job at it. Because learning takes time. By the time you learn, then you're ready for another role within an True. organization. Sure. So skilling becomes important. I do agree. And I think that is where a lot of buzz is also coming around on the lines of uh, just transition uh, things where how, how do we, because you're, let's, let's just take automotive sector. That is one of the biggest sectors, uh, especially in India as well. You have traditionally employed so many people in making gears and making uh, IC engines and everything. Now, with electric cars coming in, how will they go ahead? How What do we do with them? And your mechanical workshops are dying down then. So yeah. what, what happens with them? So that becomes, so, I think, an integral uh, part to it. Because I think that is what, what the, uh, I personally think that's only uh, uh, like, you know, ringside view of the entire domain. Because companies, when they strategize, companies, when they come up with, uh, when they invest so much R&D uh, into coming up with uh, uh, new, uh, like, you know, uh, designs or uh, new products, uh, yeah. uh, do a lot of, uh, uh, like, you know, back and forth. Uh, I was very amazed a couple of years ago when I uh, sat with one of the companies and just to realize that when they had planned to launch a product, they yeah. had done a 20-year uh, mapping and planning of it of, how to evolve and how to grow. And yeah. that kind of planning is not something that uh, the social sector is used to. Yeah. Uh, and especially our generation at the moment, which is so used to uh, uh, short time news handles and short time news alerts and like, you know, the uh, uh, word count of Twitter and uh, like uh, repeated knowledge that yeah. uh, we don't realize that many of these businesses, when they do involve and we see the market failing, uh, but they yeah. have done the maths and they have invested uh, keeping in mind a very long future in mind. So I think it's very, uh, and if you are if you see a ringside view, it will look uh, uh, catastrophic, but slowly and steadily you see how uh, markets grow and uh, understanding comes. Some calculations can always go wrong, but most of yeah. the timing, most of the time the planning is really good. Okay. That, that sounds fascinating because a 20 year plan uh, would be great on our level. Just as for well one product, just for one product. Exactly. Uh, so if we are also designing uh, policies or something on those lines, which can we can envision up to next 20, 30 years, something like master plans that are created for cities, uh, it would make it much more fascinating and would account for many more things than what we would usually do. True. In fact, I personally think that that is the only way to do things. Like anything that you do, if you do not have a, a 20 to 25 year worldview, whether irrespective of the fact whether you individually, personally are engaged in that kind of work or not, uh, it defeats the uh, purpose and that is what uh, the sustainable development goals are all about. 
Like even if we see the sustainable development goals, if it is a framework for 15 years, the first five years just go about learning uh, how it is important to you, where it can be implemented, to know that uh, the goals are very specific. Every goal has a target. The targets have to be mapped against indicators. It's not some randomized uh, report that comes up. Five years go into learning. By the time uh, you implement, it's also time to wrap up. So yeah. 15 years seems so small. Yeah. Uh, 25 years is the minimum that we should uh, uh, let an idea grow before uh, you can really map uh, its impact. So I think that is a good skill set, uh, irrespective of the vertical or sector that you're engaged in, as well as geographies. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree with that point. Uh, so coming coming back to the uh, that side of the story where we are talking about social and governance. Now these are very subjective points, while uh, and not directly. You know that okay, we can give something this much uh, credit or this much of marks or whatever we are looking at it. Uh, how how do we quantify those things in a corporate sector? Because uh, again, it would be different for an automotive industry, mining industry, uh, or somewhere like a BPO. So they are all part of corporate, but they are very different. No, no, so I think, uh, but for that, uh, there are different kinds of reporting. That okay. exists. So right from uh, like so Global Compact has one sort of reporting. Uh, our uh, sister agency, GRI, has another kind of reporting. Uh, in India, we have also for the last couple of years experimented with integrated reporting. So uh, the reporting, when you see uh, in an overall scenario, in fact, uh, reporting is also uh, a major pain for some of the corporates because they have to respond to so many more uh, domains and they have to give so many more figures. So yeah. uh, reporting is there and corporates are reporting on that. Uh, I think in India, what we need to do, uh, much like uh, uh, European countries, is to see whether how and how we can move towards an integrated report uh, in which all other uh, like you know subsidiary reportings can get integrated because that will help uh, companies to comply more. Okay. Uh, if we have too many uh, checkboxes, then people will just stick. But if you have like a you know, few checkboxes, few qualitative questions, then company can also write about their challenges and how, how they can evolve in those kind of things. So the reporting structure is though there. Uh, people who are involved in uh, the reporting uh, roles within the organizations, they are well aware of it. But what kind of uh, reporting uh, impact uh, for the rest of the business and the rest of society? I think that is a gap that is there uh, in current uh, times uh, that needs to be like you know, responded to uh, as much as possible. How, how do non-corporates uh, understand uh, the reporting of corporates beyond figures. Okay. Fair enough. And uh, the, you mentioned that there are, uh, India should try to go towards integrated reporting. So what all reports are we currently giving and uh, how can they be merged with ESG as of now? So ESG is just one aspect. It's all, uh, the environment and the uh, social uh, governance aspect, but there's a lot of uh, new indices that are... Uh, uh, coming uh, up uh, in different okay. countries, like uh, recently, uh, for example, uh, in November 2021, uh, uh, there will be this uh, biodiversity summit uh, in China, which yeah. will talk about a nature index, uh, uh, which is for nature. Okay. So you map a country's uh, uh, sustainability or you map a country's growth according to the uh, natural uh, ecosystems that they have managed to conserve. Yeah. Now, th those kind of things has not been there in uh, formal reporting formats. And I personally believe that, for example, if uh, a shift away is done from GDP, which will be slow and which will take time, but if and when that happens, countries like India, countries in Southeast Asia, countries in Latin America, Africa, 
uh, would be would emerge uh, higher up in numbers because they have managed comparatively to be uh, like you know uh, to hold on to their ecosystems and still do progress yeah. when it comes to just rough numbers and industry uh, then uh, uh, these countries lag behind so uh, what gets uh, uh, like you know uh, uh, valued uh, if those value denominators change yeah. uh, then like countries ranking also overall will change so uh, it's uh, again the same thing about uh, uh, people planet uh, prosperity and partnership that we all talk about and yeah. how do we break it down and how do we understand them more yeah and this was again i guess uh, spoken up in un as well on the lines of beyond gdp and going beyond this whole uh, aspect of uh, gross domestic product we are based on that as of now i really hope we go away from it we have now happiness index coming up uh, you just mentioned about nature index uh, can mm-hmm. can we have a quantifiable way to merge all these indexes up as well so i think uh, we are kind of moving towards that and as of now from what limited understanding i have uh, uh, integrated reporting that uh, sebi had uh, uh, i think 2 years uh, ago uh, like rolled out and uh, suggested that the top 500 companies uh, uh, get working on that i think from what when i saw it last there were only nine companies doing it maybe there are more now so yeah. uh, that kind of gets into the verticals of how uh, not only how you report every vertical but how uh, each vertical is connected interconnected to each other just like yeah. we say in the sustainable development goals that every goal is uh, uh, like you know there's impact and there's value but every goal is interconnected with the other goal and uh, what uh, interconnectedness we call this the wheel of the sdg wheel uh, that shows the interconnectivity uh, those things become imp- uh, important so uh, the frameworks uh, uh, i think uh, uh, to my understanding integrated reporting uh, that uh, had come about uh, i think i attended the meeting 2 years ago was really yeah. good uh, to start off with okay that that would be quite fascinating to look out for as well and uh, i hope that we can maybe take out more of impacts out of that as well uh, especially because the new age industries that will come up especially on the electronic side uh, i feel because everywhere now there is iot device or somewhere on the line some form of electronics industry true, true, true. while they are small the amount of materials they will consume is going to be huge uh, and the, the processing and refurbishing of it the waste will be huge yes like for example a simple thing as uh, the digital world that we have gone towards in the last one year yeah. we underestimate or we fail to estimate uh, the kind of uh, like you know we are seeing of how we are saving on fuel and the travel cost and the carbon footprint by the same time this entire uh, digital uh, pollution yeah. or like you know the digital de- detoxification and what kind of reporting is required so that will be a completely new uh, a uh, set of values and set of framework that uh, is evolving at the moment in fact i'm personally engaged in uh, developing for example compliance systems uh, for innovators because we uh, countries okay. like india we have a lot of startups we have a lot of uh, companies uh, evolving and when you are evolving at that early stage uh, compliance yeah. is never the first thing to uh, pop up in your mind yeah. it's about how to access funds how to like you know scale and those kind of things but how do you put compliance structures in place at the beginning so that there's no uh, fallback afterwards and this yeah. has come from a learning uh, uh, global compact uh, we did a study uh, in 2000 a couple of years ago so in 2013 to 15 we had done the study in which what in which what we had done was we had looked at uh, 
uh, indicted cases uh, of, uh, of like you know corporate fraud uh, yeah. and uh, that had been uh, like you know over uh, 15 years and we realized yeah. that most of the fraud happened when uh, like you know it was initially a very small mistake but because nobody took accountability the cover up was so immense that it ended yeah. up being in a big fraud and big money got exchanged and those kind of things Yeah. but uh, uh, so like you know those kind of hand holding uh, is to, instead of letting something go wrong and then complaining about it we are trying to see where we can fit in where we can get the right kind of systems in place so that things yeah. evolve and i think that is connected with the urban uh, framework that uh, uh, niua is working with especially uh, the climate smart cities uh, because if you look at uh, urban environment if you look at urban infrastructure Uh, how do you uh, uh, how does uh, development and nature uh, converge uh, can it uh, like you know feed on each other uh, how do we like you know so those are kind of practical uh, ground level realities that yeah. we need to explore uh, no problem uh, is without a solution yeah. uh, but we'll have to see our mind focus whether we will focus on the problem of what cannot be done or where we look at solutions of what are the possibilities what are the alternatives and we go ahead with that so i think uh, uh, that kind of mindset in terms of uh, the evolving uh, challenges of environment and corporate governance is something that we we'll need to watch out for and uh, do the best uh, to be ready when they come up so that uh, we can come up with solutions faster I, i absolutely that would be interesting to see as well and if if it made it exciting that compliance systems for innovators is something that we would be super interested as well because we do believe that urban ecosystem requires that kind of startups how do we sure. make sure that they can come in together if you can uh, maybe give a brief about that or something that would be quite fascinating for us so we are still working on it in fact uh, what we have done is uh, uh, we'll be doing we'll be we'll working on it the next two months because currently the first thing will be to come up to see uh, what compliance mechanisms are there already on the ground uh, my presumption is there are less but sometimes you presume less and then when you actually go to the or like you know research you realize there's um, so many much more and then to see what works for uh, different uh, uh, verticals again yeah. uh, like you know wherever there is uh, whenever any innovation will have more uh, people engagement the kind the set of compliance that will be required will be different yeah. wherever technology is at the forefront uh, uh, the kind of compliances that will be required will be different uh, if there it's a health startup if it's an educational startup the compliances will be different so just to understand uh, uh, the requirements of the uh, uh, like you know innovation and startup space and to come up with a architecture of compliances is what we are looking at so we hope to get it ready it's still underway uh, so i cannot talk much about it yeah. at the moment but we hope to have something ready by august uh, to uh, share it with a wider audience that that would be great uh, i i will bring you back after that to talk about the same sure. perfect uh, Uh, so uh, coming to one of the last questions that we generally have for all our panelists is what kind of skill sets do you see important in lines of esg when we are talking about esg what uh, are the core skill sets that would be required here oh uh, so it's a tough question because uh, i think uh, uh, more than uh, skill sets i personally believe that uh, esg requires a com- commitment and a temperament Okay. and uh, that kind of commitment and temperament in the sense of uh, the set of values uh, the set of principles uh, for example that we uh, incorporate at the global compact uh, are crucial because uh, i've seen many a times uh, somebody uh, uh, from like say a management field uh, 
with the kind of right kind of direction with the right kind right kind of knowledge could uh, uh, like you know emerge as a better proponent of uh, uh, like you know uh, esg uh, compared to perhaps uh, uh, the value loaded uh, uh, social uh, study system sometimes uh, that yeah. come up with the requirement so it's a very uh, like you know it's not a very clear cut uh, shift of skill sets uh, that i uh, foresee myself but one mindset and then uh, a complete so I, i'm a big believer of uh, monitoring and evaluation so if we evaluate keep evaluating uh, where we are uh, falling short what next to be done how do we do it i think those kind of things will help uh, in the esg governance framework otherwise uh, it's an open field uh, for management uh, uh, for legal analyst uh, or like you know uh, from for the uh, corporate culture and everybody will come to it uh, uh, with a different uh, angle uh, so to say and the best example for this is uh, like you know if you look at uh, uh, gender studies or especially women's integration uh, into the workforce uh, the way uh, like that a corporate uh, board member will think about the issue will be different uh, Vis-a-vis your legal pers- personnel that will talk about rights, vis-a-vis your social sector, uh, like you know, expert that will talk about uh, like you know equity and all that. Yeah. But uh, it's an open field and it will require uh, a lot of flexibility, a lot of uh, desire to learn and perform. And at the end of the day, always uh, willing uh, and openness uh, to change, yeah. because any set skill set uh, uh, will uh, get. like you know outdated uh, very fast uh, in today's time uh, both in the corporate culture and so uh, and the social setup uh, strategies and businesses are evolving at a very fast pace yeah. so unless uh, you are completely on top of it and completely ready to evolve it becomes a challenge so all yeah. skill sets but right temperament i i do agree especially working having worked in this sector for now more than 2 years i do agree that it's required <laughs> thank you so much uh, if i have missed out on any point that you would like to cover uh, you can do so you no know, uh, generally i think uh, like with the corporate culture uh, one thing that we have been uh, uh, as the global compact also uh, trying to share has been the very fact that uh, more corporates uh, need to get involved in uh, like you know urban development mm-hmm. not just as vendors but as creators of frameworks because what hap- what has happened uh, over the years uh, because uh, we work with the uh, within the smart cities framework in a couple of uh, uh, cities also and yeah. while businesses can uh, uh, like you know build your infrastructure or get your technology or can do the uh, like you know uh, uh, like you know the actual uh, work uh, in terms of uh, getting things done but uh, i believe that if you involve them uh, in the ideation stage because business has a mindset of maximization that will really help uh, and and as, as, as an example i wanted to give that i was speaking to one of my uh, uh, corporate houses and they spoke about uh, and it was about uh, building a, a like you know a flyover or something yeah. and then uh, like you know uh, uh, government believes that everything so if it's a ppp partnership uh, things work we give them this they give us this and that's like you know everybody lives happily yeah. enough ever after which does not happen yeah because uh, the government has access to a lot of uh, resources which it does not know how to monetize and the business has a lot of ideas on how to monetize but does not have the authority so i think uh, uh, as we develop uh, frameworks uh, and as our cities expand as our urban uh, spaces and peri urban areas expand uh, getting the right kind of uh, uh, business counterparts to sit on the table 
to say what will work, what will not work. If they come in as okay. for bidding only, they will bid and put their right foot in and they'll try to convince you of everything else. But if you give uh, uh, bring them in as advisors also, uh, that really helps. So that kind of uh, like, you know, collective action between uh, urban bodies and businesses is extremely crucial. Not to see each other as uh, like, you know, the Tom and Jerry kind of a thing. Yeah. But to see how more uh, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, symbiotically you can work together because uh, that will give more results to the city uh, in general. Absolutely. So I think that that is an area that we need to focus on going forward. So any committees uh, that gets formed uh, for uh, road widening or for building uh, uh, infrastructure, if you can get uh, somebody involved to advise of what works, what doesn't, uh, uh, in today's times, there's a lot of uh, recycled products uh, that are available that businesses use all the time. Yeah. That will respond to the uh, climate action uh, framework also, yeah. which uh, as researchers or, or which as urban practitioners, you might not have access to, but the businesses have access to those kind of information. So uh, uh, I think uh, uh, picking their minds more uh, when you develop strategies and policies and not only when it gets implemented is very important. So I think I just wanted to add that on the table. Thank you. Absolutely. That was uh, very much required. And I do believe that collaborations on those lines will only lead to better uh, ecosystem in general. Uh, Thank you so much, Shabdam. This was absolutely fascinating and I really enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you also. Thank you. You have been listening to Understanding the Future podcast. To know more about Climate Center for Cities, check out our website www.niua.org slash c-q. The show is conceptualized, produced and edited by Punit Gandhi, Senior Associate at CQ. You can now subscribe to our podcast on your favorite channel, which can be accessed through the credits. Also, don't forget to follow us on our social media for more updates. Do share your reviews with us and help us spread the podcast to your friends and colleagues. Do write to us if you would be interested in learning about any specific topics. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode.